0: Uh, great to have you with me. We've uh, covered a lot of ground so far. We're not done yet, though. We have uh, my next guest, Ryan Smith, who is uh, with a group called ThinkSBA.com. And as business owners, you know that means Small Business Administration. Uh, so we're going to talk about what they do there. Uh, Ryan uh, does a, a, helps a lot of um, individual and business owners with their financing, learning how to acquire businesses, acquire commercial real estate. So let's bring them on. Ryan, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much. It's my pleasure.
0: Ryan, tell us a little bit about you, know, you and your background and, and how you started uh, ThinkSBA.com.
1: Uh, well, the first thing I'll say is uh, I definitely did not fill out on career day that I wanted to be an SBA-focused loan broker. Um, when I was a kid, I had the ability to throw a baseball really hard from the left-hand side. So uh, my dream was to play Major League Baseball. Um, I was a few steps short. I was able to make it to playing professionally uh, for the Texas Rangers uh, single-A affiliate in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, but, but since then, um, I have been on this uh, trajectory in banking and finance uh, where I found myself Working in banking, I started, as many do, on the teller line, quickly worked my way up uh, to uh, where I was opening new accounts, et cetera, and then jumped onto the commercial side. Uh, And as recently as uh, the beginning of 2019, I was employed by Torrey Pines Bank, uh, which is a leading commercial bank here in San Diego, Los Angeles, and, uh, and up the coast in the Bay Area as well.
0: So, what are uh, some of the uh, myths or fallacies you find that people have about SBA lending and SBA funding? Uh,
1: so I'd say the primary one is that the loan takes forever. Uh, you know I get everything from you know six to nine months. Um, another Another fallacy out there is that people can obtain an SBA loan with no money down. So literally they think that SBA financing is 100% financing. Um, that, is, that is not the case. Uh, and, uh, and then I also find that people uh, believe that it's very expensive, which there is a cost there, but there are ways that the SBA softens that blow. So i say those are the three main fallacies about the SBA that I hear from borrowers and potential borrowers.
0: Yeah, and I think, well, one of the the things that that probably is true is that you have to have a a good credit record uh, for SBA lending. Is that not true?
1: Well, um, here's what I'll say to that. Uh, In fact, it's good timing because uh, today I received approval on the purchase of a residential care facility uh, here in Chula Vista, which is, as many of you know, a a city here near the border in San Diego and those the two individuals that came to me Had credit scores that were uh, under 650 uh, however We were able to mitigate that uh, by quickly identifying their low credit scores uh, They went into their Experian dashboard. They disputed a few of the items on their credit report They saw a slight bump in their credit score. and We were able to move forward. Uh, so I would say that um, most banks like to see over uh, a 660, uh, but, but if they're mitigating circumstances uh, that allow us to um, overlook that low credit score, then I would say that mediocre to good credit is what's required. Um, I also got a call from an individual who had several charge offs about two years ago. And I just said, Hey, it's too soon. There's nothing that we can do. Um, technically speaking, anyone who has a bankruptcy that's older than three years is still eligible for SBA financing. Not that they'll be approved, but they are still eligible.
0: That's really good to know. Um, it is a critical area for a lot of people that are acquiring businesses. And would you agree that uh, it, it seems like the workhorse of uh, SBA financing is the SBA 7A financing uh, package? And if that's true, can you tell us a little bit about um, what that entails as far as your, what you need to bring to the table. Uh,
1: it, so, uh, first of all, you are exactly right, and um, you're so right, in fact, that uh, I also issued a podcast here yesterday uh, entitled How to Acquire a Business with an SBA 7 Loan and then also turned it into a blog post. So uh, this is fresh on my mind. Uh, number one, I like to point out that many business owners or entrepreneurs they come to me, to acquire a business, and they ask me, Ryan, what are my conventional options? And I stop them there really quickly. Conventional financing to purchase a business is really um, reserved for the uber wealthy. Think about the people that don't need a loan. Those are the people who qualify for conventional business acquisition financing. I've worked with those individuals. I've been able to get those approved. However, the lion's share of business owners and entrepreneurs who are looking to purchase a business are going to want to move forward with the SBA 7A loan product. And I've actually listed 10 reasons, um, and let me me just share those with you. First of all, SBA loan rates are very competitive to conventional rates. Um, The minimum capital injection for an SBA 7A loan to acquire a business is 10%. Um, I would say that depending on the lender, some lenders, even though the minimum SBA requirement is 10%, some lenders do prefer 15%. So um, I do caution my borrowers just because the minimum is 10%. That doesn't mean that's where you'll be approved. However, uh, as of um, about a year and a half ago, the SBA came out with a new guideline that allows sellers to help with the injection. And the way they did that is if the seller is willing to carry paper back for the entirety of the SBA loan up to 5%, that loan then that um, carry back will be included in the borrower's injection. So that means, for instance, let's say the borrower came in with 5%. Well, the seller could also help them with 5% and there's the 10% capital injection. So that's something the SBA has done recently to help transactions get done. I talked about the SBA guarantee fee. A lot of banks will finance that fee. So the fee may be 10000 $15,000, maybe higher on a larger purchase. However, many banks will just tack that fee on to the back end of the loan so that the borrower actually doesn't even come out of pocket for that fee. Another benefit, an amortization period up to 10 years. So, uh, I joke about this, but most of the chief credit officers out there at your regional business banks, uh, you know, they cut their teeth on on uh, commercial credit in the 70s and 80s, even some uh, before that, and they were taught that business acquisition financing should not be amortized any longer than five years, and you can understand that that five years on a business acquisition really increases the debt service, which decreases cash flow or money in the pocket of the buyer or working capital to continue to grow the business. And so SBA financing comes in and says, Hey, we're going to amortize the, the, the debt on this business acquisition over 10 years. Um, and then even better than that, there's no prepayment penalty. So business owners can get in, acquire the business, figure it out, start to grow the company, and then if they find that it's in their benefit, they can accelerate the repayment without any prepayment penalty. Uh, This is one that's near and dear to my heart uh, because I was a commercial loan officer and I had to conduct annual reviews as I was also responsible for my portfolio. When a business owner acquires a business through SBA 7a financing, there are no financial covenants or burdensome annual documentation review requirements. And uh, I could tell you from experience from the banking side and also working with my clients that imagine if every six months to a year you had to provide tax returns, bank statements, mm-hmm. update a business plan, update projections, all for a loan you already have. Um, so with the SBA, you get the loan, you pay it, and you're off and running. You, you don't have someone like me or someone who's in a bank um, you know, knocking on your door every six months to a year asking for all of this documentation. And then um, I'll just just really finish with this one. There are times when the business and the real estate are included in the sale, or at least there's the option to buy the real estate. And this is where the SBA really shines and is head and shoulders above a conventional loan. The SBA 7A program is not only to finance business acquisition or working capital, but it's also used to finance real estate. And so – in the scenario where a business is for sale and the real estate is for sale, as long as the real estate portion is more than 50% of the overall outstanding loan amount, the business owner can acquire the real estate and the business and amortize both of those loans into one loan. So they're not two loans, but one loan for the 25 years that would traditionally be associated with the real estate loan. So you can see how right off the bat that's going to improve your cash flow upon the acquisition uh-huh. and because the SBA and I can talk about this um, a little bit later but because the SBA really likes real estate collateral now you're introducing uh-huh. that real estate in the transaction which means um, it's it's likely that um, the individual is not going to be asked to pledge additional real estate in the form of their primary residence or other investment properties so being able to combine the business with the real estate into one is a fantastic uh, feature of the SBA 7A program.
0: That's, that's incredible. Now on the 25 year combined loans, no prepayment penalty there either.
1: So not quite. There is a prepayment uh-huh. penalty because when, when you finance uh that's a great question. When you finance a real estate loan on the 7A program, there's a prepayment penalty. However, the prepayment penalty is a three-year step down. So it's 5% in the first year, 3% in the second year, and 1% in the third year. So even then, the prepayment penalty is not burdensome to the buyer so that when they get into business, they get into real estate. Three years, you know, I'm 45 years old now. Three years goes by in the blink of an eye. Um, Conventional options, uh, you can see prepayment penalties all the way up to year 10, uh, which um, uh, there's been studies saying okay. that most business owners, most business owners, they transact real estate within 10 years. So they might buy real estate, but they're going to transact out within 10 years. So having a three-year prepayment penalty is actually a very attractive option.
0: Makes sense. So let's go over let's scenario that I see all the time where a, a um, a well-established uh, but uh, yet a little older um, business owner who's reached retirement age and is saying, you know, I really want to get out from under this business and I really want to sell it, to, um, but uh, my my buyer has, you know, not a lot of money. Uh, maybe they're a key employee. Maybe they're even a family member. Um, with the parameters that you laid out, it seems to me uh, from what you said that the uh, the buyer can come in with as little as 5% if the owner will carry some, the other 5% on the down payment, re, uh, finance their, their uh, origination fees, I think they're called, um, the SBA fees, I'm, I think I have that wrong, um, and, and set themselves up to have a really nice business. But isn't there an issue that the buyer can't get that, their 5% from the seller it, it, directly or indirectly, is it, and is there a time period on that? Do you, do you follow me?
1: So I think I do. And here's what I'll, here's what I'll say in most of the scenarios where it's not an outside, it's not an arm's length transaction, right? So like you said, it's either a key employee or it's a family member. Um, typically, uh, typically what I'll see is where the seller, they can still provide that 5%. The seller can, um, and and uh and the buyer can obviously they can come up with their five percent or or a little more if they need to um, if that's not enough right so if if for some reason yeah. that that five percent from the seller combined with the five percent from the buyer, it's not enough because again, the first conversation I have with most people when they call me is not only a conversation about their current liquid situation or or how much cash they have on hand to put into the deal, but also collateral. And, and most people, again, um, they don't realize that the S the SBA standard operating procedure manual SOP for short requires preferred lending partner banks, PLP banks who are authorized to uh, have delegated authority, which means, and people might know what that means now because of the PPP, It just means that those banks that have delegated authority can make the decision themselves without going to the SBA. They're required to take additional collateral when available. Um, Mm. So that's not subjective. That's requirement. However, what is subjective is the collateral coverage shortfall that the bank will allow. And, And let me give you an example of that. Some banks, they say no collateral coverage shortfall, we need to have 100% collateral for our loan. Other banks uh, that I work with, for instance, have a threshold where they'll allow a shortfall in collateral coverage of $1.2 million, um, or let's say one and a half million dollars. And I work with banks that actually will allow collateral shortfalls in those ranges. And now let me circle back and make it applicable to your question. So let's say we have a partner, uh, or not a partner buyout, but a key employee buyout, and the seller says, I'm going to contribute 5% towards your injection by putting a seller carry note on what what's called permanent standby. And, and so permanent standby means that the loan is there, but it's not repaid until after the SBA loan is paid off, either in year 10 or year 5. Whenever that loan is paid off, the seller cannot receive any, recompense for their note until after the SBA is paid off that now is eligible as an injection on behalf of the buyer. If there's still a collateral shortfall um, uh, there what the seller still has the ability to do is they have the ability to bridge the gap beyond the down payment and have an additional seller carry that takes the SBA loan down to the acceptable collateral coverage required by the bank. Um, so what that might look like is, you know, if we have a 100% pie, the business owner puts in 5%, the seller puts in 5%, now the buyer has their 10% injection. But then the seller can actually uh, include another seller carry that lowers the SBA loan payment but that the buyer can start repaying immediately or soon after the loan closes. That loan is subordinated to the SBA, but Mm -hmm. again, it bridges the collateral shortfall so that the deal can get done. And so there is um, a lot of flexibility, as you can tell, within the SBA that when the buyer, the seller, and the banker are all working together and understand eligibility requirements and structure, to get a deal
0: done. That's great that, you know, I mean, a lot of people are in this situation, right? Where they say, look, my, my buyer has no money. And I guess what, what I was getting at is if they start planning early enough to maybe provide a, uh, a, a restricted bonus or something like that, that the, the employee can get their hands on SBA financing could be a very, very good route for them to go down. But th- it's good to know that if they, if, they need to, they can resort to other um, financing, you know, other arrangements within the SBA loan as well. And that's why so many people, um, when they think of the SBA, they go to Think SBA, uh, Ryan, and and that's a a tremendous um, resource for individuals. I'm looking at your website. It's got a lot of great information for listeners just to go to and poke around and see, you know, what some of the options are and maybe some calculate what their loan payments would be. But really, as we've established, when it comes time to structuring, that's where you come in and you can really help them be creative and to suit their needs. Um, so uh, uh, what, what would you say to a, a uh, seller who wants to uh, help their buyer along and explore this kind of stuff? Um, what are some of the first steps to uh, get in touch with you and and learn about whether these options will work?
1: So the first thing I would say is, especially if it's a seller helping a buyer, uh, the first thing I would tell them to do is determine the sale price of the business. Now that doesn't mean it won't change. It just means that they're coming to a point where they're going to agree on the number because that's where everything starts Um, They can either derive that number through a business valuation or they can derive that number uh, based on a simple calculation. For instance, uh, let's just call it three times uh, seller discretionary earnings, Um, and they can come up with the number. Uh, Once they have that number, then they can come to me, and then I collect personal financial statements, tax returns, and then I conduct the analysis. And I tell the seller and the buyer, this is how this deal can get done. Um, and uh, they either say, great, we're ready. Or I've just given them a homework assignment that they need to go complete before they come back to me. Um, and, and I do that all the time. And, and, and I'm happy to do that. Um, but that's, that's where you start. You got to start with the number that the buyer and the seller agree to. And then come talk to me. And then I'll structure the deal. And then they either are able to follow through with that or they have homework to accomplish before they come back to me.
0: Excellent. And in this day and age where um, in some cases uh, revenues have been hit, maybe hopefully temporarily, um, will those, will those valu- valuation numbers hold up? Will they need to be scrutinized by the bank? Um, it, it obviously has to be a believable number, but it does not uh, from what I've heard you say, it doesn't have to be a formal you know, $10,000 valuation to, to uh, come up with a, an, an agreement between the parties?
1: Not, not initially. And the reason is, and I explain this to people, once the loan is in underwriting and once there's an approval, it's required by the SBA to have a professional business valuation expert value the business. And okay. at that point in time, the business will have a formal valuation. And, and that's why I say, you know, it's important that they have an educated guest, but not to work. They don't need the actual professional valuation before they come to me. Um, there's a lot of complexity to yeah. valuations, but generally the number you could probably talk about this a lot more. Generally the number for most privately held family owned businesses um, isn't, isn't really rocket science though. So obviously I know why i their uh, formal valuations are required
0: yeah, that makes sense. It, it should probably come up with you know something reasonable and again, how long does the process take should someone if they want to uh, start thinking about maybe selling uh, by the end of the year, when should they start talking with someone like yourself to see what their options are? if they're
1: so if they're thinking about selling. You know, here's what I would say. They can talk to me whenever. However, what's really important to them selling the business is that they've spoken to an exit consulting strategist who's helped them maximize their revenue, their profitability, make sure their profit and loss and balance sheet are in order. Um, Unfortunately, what I see a lot, for instance, this is a real-life case. I'm representing a physician in Los Angeles. He's buying a med spa. The med spa is currently being operated by the founder who's aging out. He's wound down the practice for the last two years, decreasing the revenue and the profitability. The revenue and profitability are still financeable, meaning he hasn't diminished the business where it's no longer eligible to be financed, but he's decreased the actual street value of his company. And so um, Mm -hmm. that's why I say, If someone is winding down their business before the end of the year, um, they can come and talk to me today. They can come and talk to me, you know, by September. I definitely wouldn't wait, you know, until the very end of the year. But what's most important is that they're maintaining peak operating revenue profitability going into the sale. That's what's most important.
0: Great information, great tips. You really uh, opened up our listeners' eyes in a lot of ways to what might be available to them through SBA lending. Remember, when you're thinking of SBA lending, uh, check out ThinkSBA.com. Ryan Smith there will help you through the maze of complexity to understand what some good options might be for you. Thanks so much, Ryan. Really pleasure to, to have you on today. And I, I, uh, would like, would love to have you come back at some point. Maybe we'll talk about some more real life examples so our listeners can get a better feel for what's available. Yeah. And, and toward
1: the end of the year, let's talk post COVID uh, because, uh, it's happening right now in the lending world and I'd love to share that with your listeners.
0: Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a good rest of the day. Bye-bye.